When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. Uh, I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. And folks, today um, we're going to do a deep dive, and I mean a deep dive, uh, yeah, into a question that has fascinated me for I mean, literally almost since I began my professional career. Yeah, how do we get people engaged? And the leadership question is, how do we get people to do what we need them to do if they don't want to do it? Um, so, I mean, just that, 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 that notion. Uh, my guest on the show today, I am just absolutely thrilled. Uh, he's a world-renowned expert in this particular topic, uh, Dr. Jack Wiley. Um, and and if, you, if you don't know much about him, I'm certain that many of you have heard his name. I want you to do some research. Um, he's got a new book out that I want to touch on over the course of our conversation here, uh, The Employee-Centric Manager. Um, and when that came across my desk as an invitation to have him on the show, that, that notion just caught my mind. But I knew of Jack far before this uh, little missive came across my desk. And I am absolutely thrilled to have you know, Dr. Wiley uh, on the show. Um, he has done incredible things you know, in this domain of uh, leadership, specifically as it applies to how Managers and leaders engage people in an organization so that productivity actually is impacted. Uh, he's a frequent keynote uh, speaker, media contributor. Um, he's a psychologist, uh, psychologist, a researcher. I mean, I can go on and on and on. Uh, three best-selling books on the topic. So um, I'm going to just stop there, just you know, as far as formal introduction, and just say welcome. So, Dr. Jack Wiley, good to have you on uh, the thank show. Thank you. Thank you, Blaine. Delighted to be with you today. Now, yeah, most people listening to this, I mean, we're post-pandemic now, quote, unquote, post-pandemic. Um, but the great resignation, the, uh, uh, the data that is coming out about you know, millennials, you know, job hopping, I mean, all kinds of different things here that we can look to that you know, cause a lot of leaders and a lot of managers to lose sleep at night. Yeah, how do we keep our people? I mean, you know, recruiting is frightfully expensive. Retention is an easy answer to that, but retention has a quality to it. Uh, I don't want people hanging out just because they've got a safe place to be. How do we actually have them be with us in a way that's productive, contributory, and that they feel valued? That's that's kind of where I'd like to go uh, with our conversation. Um, yeah, I've got one formal question I ask everybody to just kind of launch the show here. So not to make an exception here, so I won't make an exception. I'm going to ask you the question. When you hear the phrase, the soul of business, Jack, what does that evoke for you? 
Well, when I think about the soul of business, I, really, there's two different ways I could answer that. But the human dimension, uh, you mentioned soul, it brings forward the idea of a human dimension. Uh, and I think about what it is that employees most want from the organization for which they work. So when, when we go to work for an employer, what is it that we're really seeking in that relationship? Because if we find what we're seeking in that relationship, that's going to unleash uh, motivation, commitment, performance, uh, this discretionary effort, uh, going the extra mile to get the uh, job done, so to speak. And my research, uh, which actually began back in the mid-1980s about what employees most wanted from their employer, identified seven uh, dimensions, seven elements of what employees most want. Uh, and this is actually separate from the employee-centric manager because the focus of this research was what do employees want from their employer? And what I found was, uh, I summarized it with the acronym RESPECT, but there were really seven uh, dimensions, if you will. Uh, number one, employees wanted to be respected. Uh, they wanted to be recognized, that is appreciated and shown respect by all of those with whom they interacted within the organization. So recognition is the R. Number two, they wanted to have exciting work. Uh, normally, we would just call this uh, interesting, challenging uh, work, satisfying work, but I needed an E to form that acronym RESPECT, so I, I entitled it Exciting Work. Uh, thirdly, uh, they wanted security. Uh, and what that really meant was they wanted to work for an organization that was well-managed uh, and where good performance would be recognized with ongoing employment security so that they had stability and uh, how they manage their lives, uh, you know, roof over the head of their family, being able to feed their family, so on and so forth. Uh, the fourth element was pay. But what that really meant was fair pay. They wanted to be treated fairly for the uh, contributions they're bringing to the workplace. And so that would bring in the concept of external equity, but also internal equity as well. Uh, the fifth element uh, again, I stress this a little bit. We would normally just call this career growth, but I call it education and career growth. Again, that gives me an E uh, to complete my acronym, but it's about learning new skills and having uh, a pathway for growth within the organization. Uh, employees obviously want that. The uh, sixth a letter, the sixth element, the sixth condition actually is the word conditions. Uh, but I would front end that with the notion of positive working conditions. People are looking for positive working conditions. This is a, a broader category because it has to do with having the tools, the technology, uh, the staffing to get the job done, but it's also progressive policies around uh, work-life balance, around diversity and inclusion. And then very importantly, it's about having coworkers who cooperate. Uh, so being part of a team where you feel that you belong uh, and, and your coworkers are aligned with you in getting the job done. And then the, the final element, the seventh element, uh, I labeled truth uh, because it had to do with communication and telling the truth, especially on the part of senior leadership, but down through the uh, chain of command. Uh, people wanna know the direction the company is headed, they want to know how well we're performing against that direction. They want to know how well they're performing and what they need to do in order to improve their performance. All of this uh, really revolves around the notion of telling people truth and, and being honest 
and full of integrity in that sense in our communication. So those are the, the seven aspects of respect. And what we found was when employees felt that those aspects were there, prevalent, uh, easily identifiable, manifest in their job, their employee engagement levels were significantly higher. Their commitment to the organization, that is, I'm not going to voluntarily resign. I want to be here. I'm going to stay is much higher. Uh, and in addition, uh, whether it was measured as team productivity or overall business performance, uh, those measures were always more favorable when employees felt that higher level of respect. And so if we're talking about customer satisfaction, talking about return on assets, earnings per share, all of these metrics that are important uh, to an organization improved as the experience of respect improved. So I, I see that as fundamental. Uh, we, it's, if you want to think about it this way, it sort of boils down to the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's the principle of reciprocity. Once that's in effect, then you're going to unleash that employee engagement. That's, I mean, I love that answer. And I you know, particularly, and this is personal for me, I love it because I remember back in the 80s reading some of that, you know, some of the literally seminal research that you had generated off of that. And, and I was looking at how do I apply this to the environments in which I was working at that time, I was overseas. Uh, so the cultural uh, uh, modification, if, if I could use that word here, yeah, was, was something that was interesting for me to kind of play with as, as both a leader and as a manager. Um, you know, it's, you know, I want to fast forward that, that research that, you know, was, was first done in the eighties. You, you have recently concluded, and, and these numbers are, are amazing here, um, 80,000 workers, 27 countries, um, in all market sectors, uh, basically all market sectors, uh, three generations of, uh, employees, um, and, it looks as if there's a little bit of a shift in what people are paying attention to. Um, can you can you address that? And what what is you what do you see as the challenge in that for current day managers and leaders? Right, right. No, Blaine, that's a very good question. Um, once I began the program of research around respect, which was really what do you most want from your employer? I actually decided to venture out from that and begin asking similar questions, but with a different point of reference. And so my latest research has been around what do you want? What is the most important thing you want from your immediate boss? Uh, the person you interact with uh, in a very regular way who is often the face of the organization to you. And, and what I found was that there were five behaviors, one skill, and two values that were very important to employees. If we think about the behaviors, they had to do uh, first and foremost with providing support and understanding. That is being a regular person, considerate, helpful, accessible, available, uh, and willing to listen to me and, and take responsive action. Uh, secondly, it was about treating employees with dignity and respect. So that's going to found, sound very similar to the prior research. But people want their manager to presume that they're there to do a good job. Uh, they want to be invited yeah. to participate in decisions, and they want their manager to show care uh, for their psychological and physical well-being. So those two behaviors really impact the quality of the relationship. But there are some behaviors that are more performance-oriented. 
uh, employees really want the manager to communicate clear performance expectations. What you define success, help me establish my priorities, give me feedback on how I can improve. Uh, but they also want to be provided with recognition. Again, this ties back to the earlier uh, question and set of answers. That's psychological recognition. Uh, and in addition, employees said that they wanted their manager to reward their performance contributions. And that actually shows up two ways, uh, making sure that managers are doing everything they can within the uh, compensation frameworks in which they operate uh, to ensure fair compensation. But equally important, Blaine, was that they wanted their managers to help them tr with training and development opportunities, to be investing in their career growth and their development. So those are the three behaviors that are more oriented toward boosting performance. Now, the one skill, we call it a skill because employees were emphatic that they wanted their manager to be good at this. And that was in problem solving and decision making. You know, uh, make good decisions, help me eliminate obstacles to the accomplishment of my, my work. Let's bust through their, those barriers, meet our timelines, be, be smart, make good decisions, think through the downstream consequences. So employee, employees were very clear about wanting to work for managers who did that. And now in addition, there were two values. Uh, values we would call personal standards of conduct. Um, and especially in today's age, we would see the resonance of this, but the first value was be fair and just. And so that is treat everyone uh, equitably, uh, be fair, be consistent, operate according to uh, ethical guidelines. Um, and don't have pet employees that are provided with more flexibility and, and benefits than others. But the second value was similar to it, uh, be honest and trustworthy. Uh, do what you say you're going to do, be forthright, be clear, uh, take your job seriously because we're gonna model our behavior after yours uh, and abide by the standards of the company. And so those are the eight attributes uh, of the employee-centric manager. The manager who displays those attributes defines the employee-centric manager. Now, there's a, there's a lot of, of research that I've done also uh, that looks at what happens when managers display those attributes. And if you stop to think about it, how would we evaluate the quality of managerial performance? Uh, there are a number of metrics that we might look at, but we might look at how employees describe the quality of their work experience, uh, their employee engagement index scores, uh, the extent to which they work together cohesively, uh, and that there's the absence of within group turmoil, and kind of bottom line, what is the performance of the team? And what we found was that for managers who are high in the display of those attributes, they are almost maxing out on each one of those outcomes. Uh, employees report a, a terrific experience, their engagement levels are super high, uh, but also there's the absence of, of dysfunction within the team. Uh, it's not that problems never exist, but if they do, they get corrected quickly. And team performance. Uh, managers who are displaying these attributes are achieving about 90% of the potential on all of those metrics. So that's the validity. When we say that, that this is important, we can actually demonstrate that managers who display these attributes 
are actually knocking it out of the park, so to speak, uh, in terms of all of those important metrics. Well, you know, what I find fascinating about this, and I'm gonna you know, drop this and we'll come back after the break to talk about it a little bit, but you, you began uh, with uh, what are they seeking in the, you know, what are employees seeking in their relationship with, first of all, the employer, but now it's, it's you know, you know, kind of um, matriculated down to what are they seeking in their relationship with their immediate supervisor or boss? Right. It's that notion of relationship that I want to touch on when we come back. So we're okay. going to take a real quick break, folks, here. Listening to Dr. Jack Wiley, probably the world's foremost expert, I think, on uh, employee engagement and what it takes actually to maximize that resource that we call our human capital. Be right back. I want to thank you for listening. Um, I want to also invite you right now to go to blainebartlett.com. And on that site, which is my personal website, you'll see uh, services up on the top menu. I'd like you to click on Leadership Mastermind. Now, why I want you to do that is we have uh, structured a mastermind program that is very unusual and it is very powerful. And by going onto that site and clicking that link, you'll be taken to a landing page that is an invitation to join this mastermind. It's a 52 week long exploration of what it takes to be a highly effective leader in today's fast changing environment. You won't regret it. And if you've been liking what you've been listening to on these Soul of Business podcasts, how does one become a leader that can keep connection to the soul of business? That's what we look at. That's what we're about in this mastermind program. So again, go to blainebartlett.com and click on the services link. And there you'll find the link to the Leadership Mastermind program. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this little commercial. And now back to our show. Welcome back. Um, Jack, before we took our break, um, I had set up, kind of set the table here a little bit about the nature and uh, notion of relationship. And it's my contention that that's essentially all any organization is, is a collection of people that are in relationship. And if the relationships are working relatively well, you got a pretty good shot at being successful. Now, you know, the idea of my relationship with my uh, individual uh, collaborators, the peer-to-peer -peer relationships, that sort of thing, that's you know, easy for people to get their heads around in one sense. But what you're talking about here is a, a much deeper uh, foray, if you will, into the idea of relationship. I, you know, relationship with values, relationship with work process, relationship with things like yeah, yeah, amorphous things like trust. Yeah, how do you define that? But I have a relationship with it. Um, it's it's uh, it, it's it's almost an abstraction in one sense. But as a manager, li you know, listening to this show, listening to you, yeah, you know, you're talking about my employee, my people's relationship with me, and. Part of how I define that in looking at it is, you know, if the manager and leader are being particularly effective here, they're continuously sorting for how do people feel about themselves when they're mm -hmm. in my presence? How do they feel about themselves when they're in my presence? 
How does that match? Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that it does match, but how would these uh, um, five behaviors, one skill and, and, and two values that you elucidate here, how do those actually come together in that little meme? How, if, yeah, how do people feel about themselves when they're in my presence? Right. So let me boil this down even a little bit more uh, because Great. we've taken a look at uh, what actually has the biggest impact on employees. Uh, all eight of these attributes are important, but at the end of the day, what has actually the outsized impact on employee engagement and commitment? And it really, uh, it, it really can be listed as three things. Number one, is my manager a good listener? You stop to think about that. That means the manager's investing time and energy and showing up as authentic and wanting to understand where the employee is, what are the issues that are affecting them? How can I be helpful to them? Managers are, are going to have the best answers to that question if they're willing to listen and invest time and energy. Uh, number two, be good at problem solving and decision making. Obviously, there's a, you know, there, there's a, an intelligence uh, component of that. Uh, managers who have more cognitive mental ability are going to probably be able to size situations up quicker, faster, make better decisions, but it also comes from experience. But that is of tremendous value to an employee to understand that they're working for someone uh, who can help solve problems, get the job done. Uh, but the third thing is providing recognition. Recognition is not about the pocketbook. Uh, recognition is really, uh, well, I have, I have two brothers in the uh, accounting industry. Uh, they would call this the sleeves from your vest. In other words, it doesn't cost mm -hmm. you anything. Uh, th this is about uh, thanking people, uh, kind of the proverbial pat on the back, at a boy, at a girl. But the impact that that has on the connection to the manager and the relationship that you were talking about is, is very significant. And if it comes across as authentic, uh, managers who make it seem like it's a chore to recognize others are missing the point. Uh, managers who uh, kind of sneak in and grab uh, the recognition for the good work of their employees uh, destroy that relationship. So it's about authentic uh, appreciation for the contributions that employees make. So those those really uh, are the nub of it. Uh, is is you know in effect be a good listener, uh, be a good decision maker, and provide recognition to your employees for their for their contributions. You know, um, I, lo I love that you were able to kind of chunk it down to those three. Um, the recognition piece, I think, is very interesting. I did a lot of work with one of the, and you mentioned accounting, uh, one of the major accounting firms uh, a number of years ago as they were going through a major reorganization. I was part of a team that was yeah, helping the senior uh, partners at that point. And some of our very early uh, exploration into the nature of the culture uh, yeah, and they were looking to reduce you know, or increase actually retention amongst the partners that or the, the, the uh, line consultants, the, the staff consultants that didn't actually get onto the partner track. They're still mm -hmm. valuable. We spent a lot of money recruiting them, but their turnover approached that of McDonald's. I mean, yeah. it was just crazy. And so we started taking a look. And one of the things that appeared very prominently, at least in my eyes, uh, as, as a piece of low-hanging fruit, that could be addressed really quickly was this thing of recognition. And where it really stuck out was, um, I'm, I'm assuming you're familiar with the term hoteling, you know, where right. 
Uh, you got a big bullpen sort of a thing. People come in, they punch in, and they go find a place, sit down, and do their work, and then they exit. Well, the way that this particular um, particular office was organized was the the senior partners, yeah, you know, organized around the exterior walls, and they all had windows looking out. The bullpen was in the center, and the senior managers uh, or the partners and the managers didn't really know who was coming and going until they happened to look at the timesheet. So one of the very first things that we suggested that they do was just get out of the office and walk around and start just saying, it's good to see you here. Yeah. You know, what's up? I mean, just nothing more than just, yeah, Tom, how are you? Oh, he knows my name. You know, that sort of thing. It was transformative. Uh, and I mean, you talk about low hanging fruit. We had immediate results in that within a quarter. Um, <laughs> and it, it was very fascinating how that was working. And it's got like, duh. Yeah. Uh, And and the fact of the matter is easy to implement and basically at no cost. There's there's no cost to that solution, Uh, but the impact is is very, very high. Um, We've talked about engagement. And of course, in a way, that's a a psychological construct that has a lot to do with motivation, uh, willingness to apply discretionary effort. I've been studying this, as you indicated, for many years, decades now. And in, in my research, time and again, uh, what I learn is, and, and what keeps uh, being restated is that, that employee engagement is driven by a number of different things. But what we might call at the top of the list is, number one, do I have trust and confidence in my senior leaders? Do I believe that they have a game plan that, that will be a winning game plan? And, and are they credible? Uh, in their communication of that. And and obviously, do they operate with a sense of of integrity? Number two, does my manager recognize my contribution and and show respect toward me, which we've been talking about quite a bit, but there's a managerial component. Uh, Number three, am I in a job that I can get jazzed up about? You know, this is the job person match. Do I actually like the kind of work I'm doing? Does it provide me with a sense of of fulfillment? And number four, do I see opportunities to continue to develop my career? It might be through skills training. It might be through a lateral lateral job transfer. It might be a promotion, but but do I see a way to continue to grow? Is this a place where I can achieve my career goals? And and so I bring that up because engagement uh, is really influenced within a system uh, by different uh, influencers. Uh, there's a senior management component. There's a direct manager component. There's a job person match component. And really, there's a component of, of growth and opportunity, uh, which is going to be highly correlated to a successful organizations. Successful organizations that are growing, develop, developing, have to create new opportunities for people as, as the organization creates new positions and higher level positions. You know, I, I'm going to contrast the two studies that we referenced here that you did. And it, it's my take on that initial study that it was in part an overview of how does a culture get established? Okay. And then what we're actually relating to is the culture of the organization at that point. The second one has to do with less, less to do with the culture and more to do with the actual interface with the culture, which is the boss and uh, boss, yeah, my, my relationship with my boss, you know, sort right. of thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious about the, the idea of agency 
you know, being able to work with autonomy and agency. I, you know, cultures can either inhibit or, or enable that, but the individual manager also has an incredible amount of sway on that. And it, it's it, in some of the very basic research that I've done with people that are highly engaged, they act as if they have a fair amount of autonomy relative to what they're doing, why they're doing, and when they're doing, whatever it is. How does that match some of your research? And where would you take that if I was to ask you to work with me, you know, hypothetically, and I said, you know, my people just aren't, they just aren't hard charging. They're not, they're not taking yeah. initiative. Well, uh, actually, what you've tapped into is one of the three basic needs that we as adults have. Uh, and that is the need for autonomy, uh, the need to be able to operate with a sense of, of independence. Uh, and when that need is fulfilled, that is a major contributor uh, to, to motivation. Um, we also have other needs. Uh, we, have a, we have a need to feel competent. We have a need to belong to a, to a tribe, to a group, to a team. Uh, but we also have a need for, for that autonomy, that independence. And actually, if you stop to think about it, the employee-centric manager, when they treat people with dignity and respect, and they're giving them more opportunity to participate in decision-making um, and, and to go about the performance of the work according to their own choosing, they're granting that autonomy, they're satisfying their, that need, they are unleashing motivation. But the other way they can do it is to be clear about what they expect in terms of performance and then be able to back away and let the person choose the approach that they're going to take. Obviously, not all jobs lend themselves to that, but most knowledge worker jobs do. And that's, that's an expectation. I mean, I think you put your finger right on, right on that, that notion. That's an expectation that people have coming into the work, especially if they're coming in uh, to, for lack of a better way of saying it, a knowledge, a knowledge worker position. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Jack, I could talk with you forever around this. I, I mean, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, we're we're uh, right at the end of the, the what the clock says is the time allotted for this. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to have you back on the show, and I've actually got a, a couple of other shows that I'd like to have uh, you consider being on with us. Uh, we do an Apple TV show uh, on Office Hours. I'm also, you know, setting up an Apple TV show uh, on the Soul of Business. Um, I think you would be a fascinating guest on both of those shows. So would, would, would love uh, to come back. Thank you. Okay. Enjoyed Great. it very much. Folks, thank you for listening. This is Blaine Bartlett. You've been listening to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. My guest today, Dr. Jack Wiley. Um, just real quickly, uh, I was going to miss this. Where can people find out more about you and what you're up to and your right, latest Right, right. Yeah. Uh, www.employeecentricity.com. And of course, uh, you can find my profile on LinkedIn, Jack Wiley. Excellent. Great. Folks, we'll see you on the next episode uh, in another week or so. So uh, again, thank you for listening. And as always, find a way to be a center of distribution in your life, not a center of accumulation. You'll find that it works a whole lot better if that's what you're doing. And we'll talk to you later. Take care. Bye.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.